Welcome to another episode of Them Asperger's. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Them Asperger's. <laughs> Say something. Say something. Can't lie. Talk. Oh my god. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I was just, I was just imagining what the podcast would be like if you ever did one by yourself. <laughs> you know, like for some reason one of us couldn't be in it, so uh, the other one had to do it that week's episode. <laughs> I was just thinking what would a one, one like just run by you would be, uh, how it would cope or work. Uh, not well is <laughs> apparently the uh, answer to that. Yeah, kind of like how most of my conversations with other people go. Yeah. <laughs> Terribly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but anything new for you this week? Uh, oh, yes. I was going to say something and it's not in my head right now. Uh, nothing new with me. This <laughs> you do know what's happening here, don't you? What? You do know that we're like recording an episode. <laughs> I know. Um, no, there's nothing new with me this week i just i had something to say that was like ah no i've got it okay anything new with me this week no there's nothing new with me this week however i did read on our um group someone posted and i thought it was really interesting uh, an interesting point of view someone posted about um animals potentially knowing people that have like asd or autism to nt people and he feels like animals can sense it like in him and therefore are nicer to him or prefer him over NT people which uh I, I mean he he was mainly talking about cats from what I can gather and I think we've said before cats are burgers yeah I think like, there's a load of books that have said that cats have Asperger's yeah um so I, I liked I liked the theory uh I don't know how accurate it is but it did make me think like i think that people on the spectrum in general and this is a massive generalization but i do think that we like animals i definitely am a big animal person you're a big animal person um and i mean a lot of the time animals can give you a lot of sensory um stimulation as well like if they're particularly soft or we've got um snakes and snakes can squeeze you not in a trying to kill you way but they can squeeze and I really like that and then I was thinking when I one of my um snakes uh when he was where he was before he was quite aggressive um towards everyone from what I can tell and sprayed his poo a bit and whatnot and did stuff like that but then the first time I held him he was totally fine with me and has been fine with me ever since like he's never shown me any sort of sign of aggression or anything and then I liked the theory that it's because he knew I was a burger I don't think he does uh I think he just I don't know maybe he just thought I was all right but <laughs> I liked I liked the idea of it and uh I don't know whether it's just because I feel like people on the spectrum not everyone but I do feel like there is more of a well for me like I feel more of a connection to animals than I do to humans yeah so I, I don't know maybe it's something to do with that I always thought 
the connection between people on the spectrum and animals is because animals, their emotions aren't like as complicated as yeah. humans, so it's easier to understand them uh, and what they want and that kind of thing. And um, they don't talk. Yeah. So, so it, it's you great. don't have to talk to them to interact with them. Yeah. Um, like I, I genuinely probably see my snakes as friends <laughs> more so than any humans. <laughs> really like them. Really like hanging out with them. I'll like have a chat with them like like we're just good mates. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, that that is how I see them. I do treat them just like they're people. Especially my the bigger one, I would say I do like I just sort of let him do what he wants. Yeah. He he is just like a person. Yeah. Yeah, you always say that they've got personalities and stuff and that you can read how they're feeling which is interesting because uh you can't do it with people that well but animals you can read what they're feeling most of the time i mean yeah like they're i mean three of them are pretty generic they're always sort of just all right and then yeah my my big one he he you can tell if he's in a bad mood he'll let you know but he's not like aggressive or anything. But yeah, I just I read this thing that this person posted, and I just thought it was really interesting. I don't know. Uh, I, just, I I personally just definitely feel more of a connection to animals, and I know that you uh, like I when you see you with animals, it's it's interesting. It's almost like you become a different person, like because you're quite standoffish and quite cold when you interact with people a lot of the time but with animals you are really friendly you'll have like a chat yeah you're yeah it's like it's like watching you turn into a different person it's quite interesting so yeah I'm a bit like that with uh dogs and stuff yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. even with the crickets you'll ch- you'll chat to the crickets like that <laughs> yeah I suppose yeah <laughs> which uh yeah it's quite it's nice to see the way you are you become like gentler and softer it's an interesting uh thing what about you anything new with you this week <laughs> Um, my workplace have swapped all the lights out for bright LED ones, and what's yes. happening with me this week. Yes, they have. Um, there's not much I can do about it, really, because uh, it's happened, and before they were going to swap them out, they had a chat with me about if they'll affect me or not, which I said they would, um, but they swapped them out anyway, so... I'm now just adapting to working in a place that has lights that are weird to me. I don't have some of the main issues that a lot of people that have with LED lighting. So um, they just cause odd things with me. So um, it makes it harder for me to... So anything on white backgrounds, so like paper or stickers or stuff like that, anything I've got to read on white background makes it seem like it's so white it almost like goes like to like a blue colour and it yeah. makes it hard for me to be able to read them. Um, and just odd bits. Like, I've noticed that, like, I don't know if anybody else that goes to, like, bright LED things, but I've noticed that when people move in LED lighting to me, it looks different to what it's supposed to look like. It looks like they're... Like, if you ever watch, like, a time-lapse videos, you know, when people move in, like, little, like, weird... like bit like a strobe light. Oh, like frame by frame almost. Yeah, so yeah. things that move look like that to me now while right. I'm working there. Uh, so if anybody moves anything, it moves and looks different. Um, but 
I was getting like a few headaches to start off with when they swapped them out, and I know there's not much I can do about them. I was looking up like solutions for it, and there doesn't seem to really be any other than don't be in the lighting seems yeah. to be the the only like thing for it. So I've spoken to my sensory therapist, and I'm going to see her tomorrow to talk about it. But there's not much I can do. They asked me about it. I said, don't put them in if you can help it. Uh, but obviously, it's a, they're a relatively big company, so I feel like they, they just did it anyway. Um, so I'm just learning to uh, adapt to that. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, I found that if I don't move around a lot, I'm fine. Okay. So I'm just doing that. I'm trying to stay in like one spot. But if, weirdly, movement seems to look weird in it, uh, which can get a bit disorientating. The first few days, I noticed that my balance was off. Uh, and I have noticed that I'm walking into stuff more than I used to. Uh, you probably noticed like, odd little bruises on me every now and then. Yeah. It's because I keep walking into stuff. Um, and t- to be or fair. Or going to grab things and like my depth perception's a little bit off. So I'm like missing stuff when I'm going to grab it. Which isn't good because, uh, if I'm honest, you walk into stuff and your depth perception isn't great anyway. Yeah. Uh, so if so it's, it's made it worse. That's yeah, I, I've noticed it's worse. I noticed I was walking to get some water and I kind of tripped on nothing uh, and I couldn't figure out what happened. And it wasn't like a front falling forward. I kind of like stumbled to the right a little bit. Okay, so like, yeah, your balance felt... Like I couldn't figure out like what had just happened. And I know it's all related to the lighting, so I've got to go see my therapist to get a letter but uh, or something, or a note, but that won't do anything now because the lights are in. So yeah, it's, it's not... kind of like, I'm not understanding like what the point of me seeing a therapist is now because I've kind of figured out what the problem is and there's nothing that they'll do to sort it, so... It is a shame. It's a shame. I've kind of just got to get used to it, I guess. Yeah. Which I do with most things. Uh, like most places I go to, when I come across things that are not very autism autism friendly, I um, I just kind of get used to it eventually. Um, like you just get. I, I. It's kind of like I was thinking about it. Like it's kind of just. It's the normal. So like for me, after a bit, the fact that my depth perception's a bit off now and that. I'm a bit out of balance with stuff and white paper seems weird. Uh, eventually, I'll just get used to that. And that'll just be the, that's how it is. While I'm, It's how I've done with dealt with everything really that's uh, not ideal. Is eventually, it's, you just kind of get used to it. I always, uh, I guess, compare it to like a really hot bath. You ever got into like a really hot bath? Initially, when you first get in, it burns and it feels quite like, not painful, but uncomfortable. But then after a bit, you don't notice anymore. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Like, I'll just accept that that's the way it is. So, I mean, there's not much they can do. They're in now. Uh, and I'll just get used to it. Uh, I'll just... I just adjust what I do. So when I do have to read anything on, like, white paper, I'll just uh, take more time reading it. If I've got to move around the store, I'll just move slower uh, and just try not to uh, Have you um, rush, like, anything, and I'll probably be fine. Have you noticed any changes in your mood? Uh, I get more agitated yeah. uh, quickly, but I knew that would happen Like with anything sensory for me. if It's it's like sound. It's like certain sounds. So they, obviously I've got the noise-cancelling headphones at work that I wear when sounds get too much to stop me from becoming agitated. It's the same with this. Like It's not as quick at agitation as noise or smell, because obviously sound and smell is a bit different. Uh, lighting for me isn't as bad. It's, I suppose it's my weakest of... Um, 
my sensory problems. Uh, yeah. I'd say maybe smells the worst for me. Yeah, that's which is interesting because I think smells the least for me. Yeah, uh, and then sound is probably after that, and then light is like is it affects me the least. But with all of them, once it becomes too of a certain way, I just get more agitated, and I found that like my patience has gone. So I think I was more patient um, when I was at work than before. So I used to be able to just. Do you know what I mean? Talk to people and just go, yeah, sure, if that's what you want, and be more sort of like passive and be like, yeah, that's fine, and like that kind of thing. But I've noticed now that I'm quick to just be like, if you want to do that, do that, just shut up about it. Yeah. Um, and I would put that down to the lighting. Um, but like I say, it's in. Um, I think at the time I said I'd rather that you didn't, or is there something else we can do about it? But they just kind of said no. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I'll just get used to it eventually. I just, it's like everything else. Um, like I say, a lot of people that mask or do that kind of thing, you just sort of get used to it eventually. Um, you just understand that that's how it is. Um, and I get that they needed to do it and they had to do it for the whole place. And like, obviously it's just me that has an issue with it. Nobody else does. And in fact, everybody else has gone on how much nicer it is now. Yeah. So everybody else I uh, work with have all gone about how they prefer it and how everything's better. So it's, you know, it's like me, like... Versus yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone else is yeah. it's fine. Do you know, as much as I am there, I suppose, with a disability, uh, do you know, like there's, it's reasonable adjustments. I can't expect them to just deal with the old... Because he had, like, old gloomy halogen lights before, and they were fine. Like, I had no problem with them. Yeah. I have to wear my glasses all the time in there because they still had some effect on me. Like, it's weird. I wear glasses to read and to see, but... I need them all the time when I'm in that building. But when I'm not at work, I would say I only put them on at night. But for some reason, the second I used to walk in there with the halogen lighting, I need them on straight away. Uh, and it's no different now, really. Uh, it's the same. I need them on, but they're less... You know, I mean, they've got no, like, filters or anything. Yeah. And I, I I don't know. Like I say, we'll see. It's been, like, a week now of uh, dealing with them, and I'm already starting to get used to... Like, I'm just starting to move differently while I'm in there and do things differently because I know there'll be a problem. It's the same with everything else. Like, it's just uh, like a self-preservation thing. You work out what you can and can't do uh, because of it. And then you just adjust your... Because, I mean, as much as the NT world knows what autism is, like, you can only really, like, look after yourself, I suppose, and regulate it yourself. Because, obviously, most guidelines and most things that people put in place for those on the spectrum is just blanket stuff, isn't it? Like... It's still, as much as we're always saying that it's unique and everybody's autism is different, I think for, like, big public places, they can't tailor it to everybody with autism that's in there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when they have these, like, autism hours and, like, autism-friendly, like, cinema screenings and stuff like that, they just go for the blanket main stuff that they think is yeah. that for everybody on the spectrum, but they don't realise that everybody's different. And, like, as much as these lights have these issues with me, we could hire another person with autism who has no effect whatsoever with yeah. LED lighting. And LED lighting does nothing to them. So then it looks like, you know, for them, why have I got a problem and they don't? Am I just putting it on? Or you could have the opposite. They could hire someone that's got a much worse, well, a more severe reaction to yeah. LED lighting. And then you could be like, these people are struggling so much more. And, you know, Nikki seems way better. So, like, has he even got autism? Yeah, and that I feel like that's a 
could be that's sort of the thing with autism with it, with everything because like how many times do you hear people say like oh I know someone who's got autism but they've got it a lot worse than you and like that it's not it's not nice to hear because a lot of the time you they might have I suppose like a more severe form of autism but it's dependent and a lot of the time when people say they've got it a lot worse than you it could just be like they're not as um they don't mask as well as you do so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just i think people do that a lot or will you know they they might not struggle with the things that i struggle with but you can actively see them struggle with loud noises in public and you might not see that as clearly with me so apparently they're worse and i say that like in quotations i just i don't know it's yeah. a it's a difficult one like you can't really put a a one size fits all on autism like if i was to go to somewhere that was having an autism friendly hour and it was like a a cafe or a restaurant i would include in that that all the cutlery had rounded um bits that you hold on to because they don't or curved slightly because i don't like when the handle is sharp when you hold it it really bothers me i have a real issue with it especially with spoons but like that's not the sort of thing that's going to be included in autism hour is it because that's that's very specific to me yeah so like it's, it's things like that that i just think you know it's always just a little bit quieter and dim the lights which is nice because i think that is i suppose it is a more common one but like you say there isn't a well it's it's I mean, like I say, before they put them in, they asked me about them. And I said that I wasn't 100% sure on what would happen or what reaction I'd have to them. Because when I go in places that have LED lights, um, I'm not in there long enough. Uh, so I tend to go in and get out. And I've never worked in a place that had them permanently, um, like all the time. So this is the first time I've ever worked anywhere where I'm in them constantly. So I'm kind of just seeing them as I go along what they are yeah. um and like I, I've said before with me the issues are that I hide like my autistic traits because they said that I could bring yellow uh sunglasses in so I do have various pairs of yellow sunglasses that I wear sometimes because they do make certain lights easier to look at mm. and for me it's just nicer to keep them on um, when we're going through places. Like I, we went recently, we went to hospital um, and like I kept them on the majority while I was in there. But then we had to wait in a pharmacy for ages and I gave them to you to wear. Yeah. Uh, and you said, you know, it's like a, a difference from wearing them yeah. to not wearing them. And this is the thing, like when I was asked what will happen, I said I wasn't sure. And like... There was almost a thing where they were kind of saying that it didn't come up in the risk assessment, which at the time, because we didn't have LED lightings in the store, I wouldn't have brought it up in the risk assessment because it was a, a non-issue. Yeah. You know, there's so many different like things that come with being autistic. It's not just the social stuff. There's yeah, loads of other things. Yeah, why would you bring that up? In, like... I could, I, it was a work risk assessment. So I was yeah. only bringing the stuff that were relevant to the workplace. There was loads of stuff I could have brought up, you know, like, but then what relevance would it have to anything? So I didn't. So obviously, once I've got this letter from my sensory therapist, I'm assuming that they'll have to do another risk assessment on me and lighting. Um, but like with me, because of my like masking, 
Uh, and my, what I tend to do is I tend to hide. So when I'm struggling with stuff sensory-wise, I tend to pretend like I'm not. So, Jeremy, I, I imagine for a lot of people that I work with now, I made this like big deal. So before the lights went in, I did make kind of a fuss and said that, you know, if my mistakes at work go up or if I seem more like aggressive towards staff or even if I have to just quit because I can't cope with being inside the store anymore. I was like, it's probably all related to the change of lights. Um, so obviously that caused like a big deal and like there was like messages sent and they tried to sort something out. Um, but I said, I wouldn't know for sure what would happen until it happened. So until we make the changes, I wouldn't know what the outcome. Yeah. And yeah. like the trouble is with me is once I'm struggling with lighting. So there are issues I'm having, like the balance, like the um, depth perception, uh, the quick to anger. And I have made a couple of errors that I wouldn't normally make um, because I tried to read something off something and I read it wrong. So I followed the instructions different because I couldn't really focus on the paper all that well. So I ended up reading the wrong thing and doing something slightly different. But it's no big deal. Like the mistake I made didn't like cost what well, it did. It, like, but not like anything dangerous. It's not like I work with heavy machinery or something. It was just a stupid like admin error. Um, but the trouble is with me is uh, I don't like to show the autistic um, side, I suppose. So for everyone that's looking at me, it looks like the I made a big deal out of nothing and I seem to be coping fine because I'm not like I'm not doing anything obvious. I'm not like rubbing my eyes or like, do you know what I mean? Like standing about looking weird. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I'm not doing anything that would appear like there's something wrong or something bothering me. I'm trying to mask every kind of like weird thing that's happened. So every time I do lose my balance or miss something, I try and then do some sort of behavior after that suggests I meant to do it. So when I do lose my balance, I go, oh, shoes untied or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, because I don't want people to know. It's like when they said you could start wearing your yellow glasses at work if that'll help. But then I think like if I start wearing yellow glasses and on the rare occasions that I have to get my headphones out and put them on, do you know what I mean? And then I've got a yellow filter on my laptop. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like at that point, the fact that most people that I work with don't know I'm autistic and the public that come into the place, they definitely don't know. I feel like if I have to do all those things at once, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's going to be harder for people to understand, like, well, they're going to know. Not that, and it's not like them knowing means anything, I suppose. No. It's not like it has a big deal. It's just... I'm so used to not showing it because of, I mean, I've mentioned before in like previous uh, episodes that with me, like when I was in school and everything like that, when I was younger, my autistic traits were the things that got me into trouble constantly that I started to hide them just because I was sick of having to stay behind after class. And I was sick of having to explain myself to teachers or like I had to like spend lunch times in like headmaster's office and that kind of thing for like my behavior I just stopped hiding my autistic stuff because that was the thing that kept getting me into trouble. I just started mimicking what all the other kids were doing and that seemed to work, but it took all my focus and all my concentration to be like everyone else that then like my grades suffered and my concentration in class completely disappeared and like my absorption of knowledge faked because I spent all my time teaching myself how to be like everyone else. Yeah. So... I do that now still, even though I tell myself all the time I don't need to anymore. Uh, I still do it because it's my natural reaction to things. So even though these lights have gone in, I pretend like I have nothing wrong. And obviously, then why would anybody else 
then feel like they need to do anything about it. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's the reasonable adjustment thing. You know, like they say all the time when you're employed, you have there's reasonable adjustments that the your employer has to do uh, because you're on the spectrum. And yeah, like what can they do? Yeah. I um I can't do it. And it's like you said, like with autism hour and that kind of thing. There's any blanket stuff people can do for it. So yeah, it's uh it's interesting because obviously like even when we I mean like obviously we do these episodes to raise like autism awareness and we go into like the I suppose finer details of autism in general. But um if you don't know someone that's autistic or if you're not autistic yourself, like why should you care about the finer details of autism? Yeah. Like why yeah. why should they be of any interest to you if you have no reason to know them? You know? So I do think it's uh it's a weird one because they can only do the blanket stuff. There's the main stuff that everybody knows about with autism, but that's all anyone can do is they can make the changes that fix them. But all the other stuff, like there's loads of stuff that I would say with you that trigger meltdowns in you that are much bigger, bigger problems that um, for somebody like this blanket stuff, like dimmer lights and quieter music and um, do you know what I mean? Like the social stuff, yeah. like they're the big things that people think cause people with autism massive discomfort. But I would say there's loads of weird, finer detail stuff like with you that will cause the same discomfort that is unique to you. So like when you go somewhere that's got like an autism hour, like they're probably not going to be able to make changes for that stuff. I know, they're not going to. Yeah, because everyone has it differently. So, yeah. So as much with these lights, I could say like that they shouldn't have put them in and, you know, that kind of thing. But then... But it's not it's not a blanket autism thing, is it? It's, no. it's like what if I do leave? Yeah. And then what if they'd have put in like some weird specific me friendly light bulbs yeah. and then I quit? <laughs> you know, like it's uh it's it's knowing what you can and can't do. It's knowing like what I should have to, I guess, uh put up with because that's just how it is and what I shouldn't have to put up with so what changes should be made for there's like a weird balance with autism like as I'm not in any way saying it's the same but say somebody can't walk and the stairs into the shop you put a like wheelchair friendly or mobility scooter friendly ramp and then get into the shop yeah so that's that's like that's blanket. Anybody that has no like use of their legs, oh right, yeah, 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 that gets them in and out the shop no problem. There is that like one solution for all thing for something like that. Yeah, but with like a lot of like mental disorders or mental disabilities, there isn't really that like blanket. Just do this and they'll be fine. Yeah, and that's not like specific to autism. That's specific to a load of other things like bipolar and. Um, ADHD. ADHD. Do you know what I mean? Like, ADHD is not a... Everybody that has ADHD doesn't have it identical. No. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yes. It's uh, it's one of those things. Um, but what am I supposed to do? I could say... Do you know I mean? Don't put the stuff... Don't make... You, need, you can't do this because of me. But then I wasn't sure what would happen, so... But I'll let you know next week once... Uh, I mean, obviously, I see my therapist tomorrow, so we're yeah. going to talk about it with her. Yeah, and see what she says, because you don't actually... There might be other stuff she wants to talk to you about, so... 
we might be able to talk about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you made a point earlier that I thought was quite interesting when you were talking about um, optimism. Yeah. And why people have to be optimistic. Well, it's something that I hear all the time and once again it's like it's a public thing I don't I don't know like it's it is one of those things and it kind of like I know that it, everybody says it like you've got to be optimistic you've got to like visualize you know when people say like you've got to visualize your dreams and you've got to uh you know what I mean see what you want and you know you've just got to be positive about it yeah um and I'm not saying that those on the spectrum can't be positive about something I wouldn't necessarily say that we're really negative about everything all the time either. I just, I always feel like people on the spectrum are realistic. And I feel like with a lot of stuff, uh, with work or interacting with people or when you're trying to do your goals in life, I suppose, people want you to be optimistic and like, you know what I mean, like see optimism. Uh, and so they say that optimism is important and everyone should be optimistic. Um and pessimism is that thing that everybody says, ignore pessimism, you shouldn't be pessimistic. Being pessimistic is bad. And, you know, with some of our episodes, we've always talked about we should do like a more upbeat, happier yeah. episode. Because people want, do you know what I mean, like that kind of thing as well. And when we talk about the negative aspects of being on the spectrum... It's not us being pessimistic about our own autism. I feel like most people on the spectrum are realistic. We're not pessimistic. We're not optimistic. We're realistic. We weigh up the logical way of everything works and what actually happens. And there's things that happen in my life or like say there's a deadline I've got to hit or a goal I've got to achieve or a task I've got to get done. Do you know what I mean? To a certain standard. And I weigh up all the, um, I suppose all the, do you know what I mean like what we've got to do, the time we've got to do it in, how we've got to get done, and I've worked out in my head it's not going to happen because it physically can't be done in that time, yeah, or it physically can't reach that standard with what you know what we've got. And there's been times where I've said to a lot of NT people, it's not going to happen though, is it? And they're telling me like, don't be so pessimistic. Optimism is is what it is and there's a lot of stuff lately that like with like even with like politics and that kind of thing where optimism seems to be the thing if you just believe in something <laughs> it will uh it will happen <laughs> like despite everything that says it won't if you um believe in it it will happen and i feel like it's one of those concepts that for those on the spectrum believing in something and it will happen is is an odd concept for us it's that weird like exist existential like do you know what I mean like it's something else. Like, I feel yeah. like for us, especially for me, like, I only deal with, like, black and white logic. I only deal with what I can see and what I can't see, what I, you know, follow and what is, like, there's evidence base for what's going to happen, you know? I, I, I'm not optimistic because I'm pessimistic. I'm not optimistic because I only believe in what's possible yeah. um, and what's realistic. Um, but yeah, I found that like with a lot of times when I talk about this kind of stuff to anyone or when I'm asked to do something, I am always accused of being pessimistic and you've just got to be optimistic about something. And if you stay optimistic, you, um, you know, you can achieve it and that kind of thing. You've just got to believe in yourself and believe that you can achieve this. 
and this will happen. And I know there's a lot of people that have like their lives have been successful because they claim they had optimism and they saw their goal and they, you know, what I mean, like went for it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I don't understand how that can possibly be the case. I think they feel like that's what they did. But then when you look at the circumstances of how it happened and how they came to that thing, realistically, that was the most logical path they could have gone down doing what they were doing. And that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, because obviously if you go with the option that if you believe something so much, it'll happen. It's kind of like, uh, like we play the lottery. Oh, I believe. I believe in the lottery. <laughs> yeah, I, so we do it. I spent about an hour this morning thinking, when I check my phone, am I going to be a millionaire? And really, really genuinely believing it was going to happen for me. Like, I can't tell you how much I believe that I'm going to win the lottery. I really, really do. Like but this is this is what I'm saying. This is one of those, like, like the light, like the thing that makes autism unique. Um... It's one of the things people don't know about is a lot of people on the spectrum, we're not negative people and we're not like, but then we're not like optimistic. We only believe in what can be done and what can't be done. Is yes. that what you meant? By like, I meant I mentioned a a thing. I, uh, you said that I mentioned an interesting topic. Is that what you meant by that? Is... Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was... I thought it was interesting because you said you didn't really understand why you had to be optimistic. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which I... And I think it is interesting that oftentimes um, optimism comes across as positivity. I almost couldn't get that word out then. Positivity. Um, and realism comes across as pessimism, which comes across as negativity. Um which is, it can be quite interesting. I think we differ because I think you are, like, across the board, always quite realist, um, realistic. Mm. Whereas I think I float around being whatever. But I think with me, like, my my general outlook on things, I usually just, it, I probably absorb the way people around me are feeling quite a lot. I, I, I think that's part of my Asperger's in general is like we've talked about sympathy and empathy before. So I don't want to like go into it too much. But I think like I, I can be quite empathetic. But like I said before, only with how I would feel in certain situations. And I feel like um, I also sort of take on board the way other people are. So if I've got people around me being quite negative, I think it, it changes my mindset to also be quite negative. Um, whereas if, if people around me are quite positive, I think I can be quite positive. I think I, I, I do think I float around. I mean, I try and be a, quite positive, but I definitely can get worn down. If I try too much and it's just not sticking to whoever I'm trying to put positivity on if they just continue with like their their idea then it just sort of you know like I'll get worn down into it I don't I, I don't think I'm particularly one way or the other I think I float around I don't know does that make sense kinda you're just saying that you you just talk about masking again you just talk about like mimicking you just do what they're doing if you talk to a positive person you'll be positive if you talk to a negative person you'll be negative yeah i would say not like, initially so no. obviously like you're not like me where i let them basically set the mood for the conversation and then i go from there 
with you, I guess you go at it in a positive way, but then if they insist on bringing it down to a negative level, eventually you just go with them yeah. and do it as well. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like I mean, it's, it's like I say, it's one of those reasonable, it's one of those reasonable adjustments. Uh, again, like I feel like that is, it's one of those things that's interesting me this week is how much do you actually expect the public or people you know, like what adjustments and what things do you want them to do? Um, and this is one of those things like, do you tell people, stop telling me to be positive and stop telling me to be optimistic? Because it, for me, it does feel like something I'm incapable of. I'm incapable of being optimistic, but not because I'm negative about everything, not because I'm pessimistic about everything. I'm just realistic. If I think something is realistically achievable um, and it's the same thing somebody who's optimistic wants, then it seems like I'm being optimistic because I'm agreeing with them that it can be done. Yeah. But then if it's something that's too out there and just can't be achieved and I'm saying you won't be able to do that, I'm then seen as being negative. And it's something that's always happened to me a lot with like family and school and work where I'll be like, yeah, but we're not going to be able to, are we? That's just not going to happen. And then I'm being told off for being uh, pessimistic and I should really try harder to understand. Yeah. When really I'm just saying to them, no, it's not that I feel negative about this. It's that when you look at what this is, it can't go anywhere. It can't become anything more than it's going to be. Um, but then, like, do I mention that to, like, people I meet? Yeah. You know, like, if you think I'm being pessimistic, I'm not. I'm realistic. It's just how I am. Um, it's like, I don't know what the thing is for real. So, you know, like I say, when you're pessimistic, it's the glass is half empty. Oh, and you're yeah. The glass is half full. And for realism, I guess it's, there's water in the glass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's just, that's just how I am. I deal purely in like logic. I don't deal with like stuff that could be something. It's like, I'm not pessimistic in the same way that someone's pessimistic and I feel like they're going to be. So say there's something that easily can be achieved and I'm talking to someone that's like, yeah, but like why bother? And it's just not going to happen. And something always goes wrong, doesn't it? I don't do that either. No. Like, but when I hear people doing that, I do think like, oh, come on. Like, (laughs) seriously, like it's not that bad. Like, so I also do that as well. Um, but do you expect people that you know to explain to them, look, I just deal with realism solely. So like, if you're not, it's not that I'm neither one or the other. So when you think I am being, it's because I'm being, and that annoys them. Cause obviously, especially when you're doing like teamwork or something like that, they keep telling you that if we all maintain a positive attitude and they don't like my, uh, like relentlessness to uh, keep bringing up the facts of what's happened. You know, like I'm likely to, because I don't understand their optimism. Optimism is one of those, I guess it is an emotion that I don't really follow and I don't really get. So when it's obvious that something is not going to happen and they're constantly like, come on guys, we can do this, this will happen. I'm always there with the facts going, yeah, but do you remember last time we needed like three hours to do this and we've only got half an hour left and this needs this doing in this time and historically we've always made the same error when we get to this point and none of us have figured out how to not do that and then I'm being told off do you know what I mean like to relentlessly keep coming back with come on now yeah um, and that's because I don't get their emotion um and it's the same like if I'm in relationships or do you know like it's same when I'm talking to people about just stuff like we, you know, like if they say something like we could always do this and then I'm just then like if I'm having an argument or a conversation with someone, I will say something like, yeah, but in the past when this has come up, 
we've always ended up doing this. And it's like, yeah, but not this time. And I'm just like, why? The uh, the variables and the thing that creates that situation is all identical still. What makes you think it'll be any different? Yeah. Um, what I would say is, uh, and this isn't because I'm disagreeing with you at all, uh, just to put it out there. Yeah. You're obviously saying you're a realist and I think you are I think you are reasonable but what if how do you know what will become of something like how do you know that you're right and this isn't me like saying that you're wrong I'm just I don't say putting I, it out there I don't you know? tell people I'm right I just so with most people on the spectrum um I'm not good at predicting or seeing stuff. And it's something that I know is a common trait with a lot of people on the spectrum is that we are not able to, I mean, obviously nobody's able to predict the future, but not able, you know, like when people say to you, like in a job interview, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Yeah. We're not good at that. No. So when we're doing a task or a job or it's a situation or it's a conversation or whatever, the thing that somebody's being optimistic about, whatever that may be, I don't know realistically how it's going to end or what's going to become of it. So what I do is I look at situations that I've been in the past that are similar. I look at like the people I'm being with and what I know about them. And I put all that together and I make a prediction based on the facts that I have. Yeah. So I don't think that I'm right. I'm just going for the most logical... Um, outcome Outcome. okay but it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm going to be right it's just based on what i've seen before and what i know and i don't normally voice it unless somebody asks me oh okay what they think do you think we'll be able to do this or do you think that we'll have enough time or when someone says come on guys we'll easily get this done in time i then feel like that was a question so then i (laughs) tend to go yeah but will we (laughs) because when you look at it we've been in this situation before and it didn't happen and the reason it didn't happen and for the same things that are happening now so it's more like that with me. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I think I'm right. It's just my reality of what's going to happen makes more sense than the one they're like pushing. pushing. Yeah. I see. And um, do you think, and this is another sort of broad, I suppose, question, but do you think that it's ever hindered you? Um... Not so much when I was younger, but like as I've got older, yeah. Uh, I would say now I withdraw from a lot of things early because I see them as a waste of time and something that can't be achieved. Um, But that's more like because, as I've said before, you can't expect everyone to do things for you. So you can't expect everyone to understand your autism as much as you do you know and like it doesn't matter how many places do a risk assessment and it doesn't matter how much you tell someone like every detail about your autism it doesn't matter how many people listen to all these podcasts we've done they think that they would they'd learn details about my autism that you wouldn't normally know about it in like a regular day-to-day interaction with me um but it doesn't mean that they have can help me in any way really more than I can help myself. And it's the same for everybody that's on the spectrum. You've really just got to learn as much about your own autism as possible and learn how it works and predict kind of how it will react in certain situations and that kind of thing. And so because of that, 
there are situations that I will not even begin to like undertake or get myself involved with because I'm fully aware of how my autism will deal with it. Um, and that in itself could be seen as pessimistic, I suppose, because there is that possibility that I could go into a situation that I would 100% think I'm not going to cope with that put myself in it and then cope with it fine yeah. and just think like, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. It's like with, um, it's like with the lights, you know, I initially, when they told me about it, I assumed that they'd be hideous and I yeah. would not be able to do anything, see anything. It would cause me like headache, stress, um, and that kind of thing. And my reactions to it have been different to what I thought they were going to be. There is still a reaction and there's still stuff that probably should be sorted still and it's yeah. not ideal, but it's not as bad as possible. But that's a situation where I didn't, there's nothing I could do about it. Yes, yeah, so you almost, you had to live through it sort of thing. But now I, but had someone have said to me, um, you know, like, if you want, we just won't put them in. We just won't bother with them yeah. if that's what you really want. And I said that, yeah, that's what I really want. And they didn't put them in. Then I'd never know like what it was like or what effect it really has. Yeah. And I suppose that's how a lot of people on the spectrum learn early, especially if you're diagnosed later in life. You learn what you can and can't do based on situations you've gone into. Yeah. But with me, because of like my, I suppose, realism and how I predict stuff based on what I know and what I've seen and what I understand about my own autism, there are now situations that I will not involve myself with on that like reasoning. So some people will say, why haven't you done this? Or do you want to give that a go? In the past, I'd have just gone, yeah, sure. Okay, let's try it. And then, you know, either a good thing would have happened or a bad thing happened. Whereas now I just think, no, I can't do that. So I'm not going to. So that is, I suppose, in a sense, how me being that way and being made restrict like my own life now is because there's loads of stuff I just don't do anymore. Where I outright from the start say, I won't be able to do that. So don't ask. Yeah. Uh, and that's impossible. But I don't know for sure if that's the case. Um, because the thing is, the more you're aware of your autism you can go into situations that in the past would have caused meltdowns and caused like massive uncomfortable thing. But because you understand your autism works, you can go into it again and just sort of adapt how you're doing that task at the same time. Yeah. You know I mean, I, as, and like you say, it has probably in some ways, I don't know if hindered's the right word, but I suppose in some ways has prevented certain things from happening, but then equally uh, it, it must've also benefited you because you haven't had a meltdown for, yeah, that's the thing is I haven't had a meltdown in a year and a half, maybe longer now, since the last time I had an actual meltdown. Yeah. Um, and my shutdowns are less and less frequent because of it. So, yeah, I um, I don't think it's that bad. I feel like my irritation is higher lately, um, but that's that's like just just not relevant to what we're talking about uh but i've noticed that that's slightly higher at the moment but that's about it do would you say that's related to the the lights or it could be general? i've noticed that i'm coming home from work and i seem to be quick to anger or seem to get like snippy really quickly for no reason um and it could just be the lighting uh as having like a delayed effect yeah on me it's not sure but like i say uh this episode that we're talking about i'm trying to even though like it's a bit random in places, I'm trying to talk about like what you can expect from other people um, based on what you have to do for yourself, you know? Uh, oh, 
okay, and what like what adjustments you can expect reasonably of people to yeah, make like, for you? Yeah, like, do you expect everyone to just understand your autism <laughs> and change everything for you because they should, because you're autistic? Or can they only do the blanket main ones that everybody does because after that it's too unique, it's too tailored to the person that the only people that can make the reasonable adjustments for yourself is you. So like, you know, like how I'm saying like the optimism thing, I'm saying I'm realistic. I understand that. So when people tell me all the time to be more positive and to be more like, you know, upbeat about something, I used to in the past get really frustrated. And one of the things with me is before I was diagnosed, the things that were my autistic traits were the things that used to anger me. So when someone pointed out one of my autistic traits, I used to get angry. But before I was autistic or diagnosed autistic, I didn't know they were my autistic traits. So I didn't recognize the correlation that just certain things people said to me used to really quickly wind me up and make me like angry with them immediately. It wasn't until after I got diagnosed that I realized my anger was because they were pointing out my traits. And it's odd that my brain, even though it didn't know that they were autistic, that they had a name. Do you know what I mean? Like people just And now when people say to me, you should be more positive about this. Or you should be like more upbeat and like, you know, should really get behind this in the past before diagnosis. When anybody said anything like that to me, I'd immediately get aggressive and immediately become like defensive and uh, standoffish towards them. And there'd always be usually an argument after where I've argued with them that I'm not being negative. They're just being ridiculous. And there was that kind of fight a little bit. Whereas now... When people say to me, we need to be more positive about this, which happens all the time still. It's not like it doesn't happen anymore. It still does. I feel the initial irritation um, of someone telling me something that I now know is something I have no real control over. And so I instead of fighting them, I just tend to go, "Okay, you you go about doing it the way you want to do it. And I'll go about doing it the way that I'm going to do it. And we'll just agree to disagree and leave it at that. Yeah. That's kind of what I say, which for a lot of people is still just like, no, I want you to be positive. And I have to then be like, well, I'm not going to be. But, you know, you can be if you want to be. Uh, And that's that. And I try and do like more of a diplomatic approach. But for a lot of people that are trying to, especially if they're like your boss or they don't want to hear that you're not going to be positive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I've seen NT people talk to each other where they tell the other one to be positive and then they go, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry about that, I'll try. Whereas to me, I can't say that because that would be a lie. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And also I'm kind of agreeing to something I'm not going to do. Do you know if I said yeah. to them, yes, I'll be up best, uh, positive and that kind of thing. And then later on they go, so have you got it done? I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm then like going against the thing I said I'd do. So I just don't want to commit to that. Yeah. Um, but try explaining that to somebody that has just the blanket we'll keep the lights dim we'll turn the music down a little bit do you know what I mean like try explaining to them oh and by the way I uh will have this thing that makes it appear like I'm being really negative but I'm not I just don't deal with abstract concepts like positivity and negativity Mm. you know it's like people that talk about like karma or fate or things like that they're concepts to me that make no sense yeah I understand them But for me, I can't see them as an actual thing. They're just one of those things that you see in telly uh, or like in movies or TV programs or do you mean like it's one of those things that is almost fantasy for me because I don't I don't believe that everything's determined a certain way or I don't believe that, you know, if you do good things, good things will happen. I feel like everything just works in the way it's supposed to based on the way things work. Yeah. And so, but try explaining that to someone that's NT, it makes you come off as if you're 
yeah, pessimistic and negative. So do I bring that up in a risk assessment? Do I say to them that like there'll be times where I appear negative, but I'm not? This is just how I see stuff. Or do you just understand it yourself and understand that's how you are and just don't take any personal offence from somebody telling you to cheer up, you know, because that happens. That's something like try and smile, mate. You know, like I get that all the time. Why don't you try smiling? Why don't you be a bit happier? Why don't you like cheer up a little bit? Why don't you be more the positive side of things? You know, yeah. all the things that come with being uh, optimistic. It's not just... It's not just like believing something will happen and it will. There's also that other side of it of like, why don't you smile or, you know, or why don't you like be happier or why, you know, show some excitement. No, it's your birthday, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It's one of those things that just, you can either tell everyone that you're autistic the second they say, why don't you be happier? It's your birthday. And you go, well, I'm on the spectrum, so I can't be. Or do you just sort of go, yeah, great, thanks. (laughs) And then like... Just carry on being you, you know. I feel like a lot of reasonable adjustments for you to be comfortable in the world because the world's, I suppose, neurotypical mostly is to just understand your own autism and then just ignore what other people are saying to you because you get that they don't get how things work for you, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think we have it slightly different in terms of... um just are the way we are because I think I'm I'm different in the sense that I never really think of anything like uh, I get told to make sure that I am being kind of like empathetic or sympathetic when I talk to customers where I work um it's not like customer facing but I email and call customers and like there's a you know be empathetic or sympathetic if someone tells you about i don't know like you know like a recent bereavement or something that would require that sort of emotion and i don't really think well i can't i'm autistic i just think right okay i need to learn how to do that um so i, I guess that's a a different because it, it never really occurs to me that the reason i would struggle would be to do with being on the spectrum i would just think Oh, okay, that's something that I haven't quite learned yet, but I'll I'll learn and I'll teach myself how it works, even though I don't think I often think about like these the reasonable adjustments thing, and it's probably because I don't tell anyone that I'm autistic, so I don't expect it because how could I if they don't know? Um but yeah, I think kind of what you're saying in that like understand your own understanding your own autism and then making the adjustments almost for yourself is probably the most effective thing you can do I think that is what I try to do because I don't really know well I I wouldn't I don't expect anyone else to make any adjustments um which is probably why I'm more susceptible to meltdowns than you are as well because I probably accidentally expose myself to more yeah I mean you yeah, you're different. Um, you don't ask for anybody to make any sort of adjustments for you um, because you're autistic. Uh, I know that since you've been diagnosed, you've had no like aftercare. Um, but then equally, you say all the time you've not had any aftercare and you've not had anything since you were diagnosed. But then equally, you also say you don't want it either. Yeah. Because you don't feel like there's anything anyone can do to help you. So you don't ask for, I suppose, anyone to understand your autism. You understand it yourself, but you also don't want it to be 
I guess, have any sort of impact on anything you do. So you tend to just go ahead and do stuff anyway, knowing that it could be a problem (laughs) and it could cause issues for you, but you just think that you'll just be fine and you go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. Which, I guess, by your own thing there, that makes you a bit more optimistic that you think you should be fine anyway and you just go ahead and do it. You'd think so, uh, but I, I'd say, yeah, it probably doesn't always work to... Well, it definitely doesn't always work to my favour. And I think sometimes like, it, it can be confusing to me if I come home then I'm a bit, like, having a meltdown, then it's going to... And I, I, I don't often, like, understand why, and then sometimes I'll speak to you about it and you'll be like, well, it's because of this, obviously, that I just haven't really thought about... Um. I think that's a that's an issue in me. That's my own problem. Um, yeah, you don't expect anyone to make any adjustments for your autism. You don't feel like you need any, and you don't feel like anyone should make any. There's loads of times where I tell you that you should just do this and should do that, um, and you just won't. Yeah, uh, that's probably a, <laughs> it's probably an issue in me. Uh, because, like, like, there's a part of me that just feels like I don't deserve it because I feel like I'm not... And, I mean, this is going back to what I said I hated earlier, but, like, there's a part of me that kind of goes, well, I'm not as bad as this person. And, like, by bad, I mean, like, it's not as severe as this person, so uh, I shouldn't have to get any help. Like, we need to focus on helping them out first. And I think that's probably... Yeah, that's my own my own self-problems that I have. Yeah, so uh, it's weird because I, since getting diagnosed, thought everybody should, initially when I first got diagnosed, I wanted the whole world to change everything for me. Yeah. Um, Where I worked, people I knew, even relationships I got into, like the first relationship I got into after I got diagnosed, I told her straight away that I'm autistic. I pretty much told her how it was unique to me. And then every time something came up in the relationship that was a direct result of my autism I kind of just sort of went tough you know yeah you were warned about this and I think with work I kind of did that as well for a long time is I just kind of every time something happened that was autism related they'd bring it up and then I'd make them feel guilty by sort of saying um how dare you not I never said the words how dare you but yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean I was kind of always like it's because of my autism, like, this shouldn't be a problem. You shouldn't be pulling me into, the like, this meeting and telling me this stuff when it's obvious that's what's happened here. Yeah. And I used to be annoyed with, like, their ignorance of not understanding that that's where this is coming from. Yeah. And that's how this has happened. Whereas now, I've kind of understood that, um, yeah, I kind of now just get that when you look at the adjustments people make for those on the spectrum, um, it is just the stuff that's more commonly known the sensory stuff and some of the social stuff and then that's it and then everything else I just see as um just something I've got to deal with myself and just something I have to manage myself and just to kind of ignore everyone um the only times I would bring it up now is if it got me into massive trouble uh and I was pulled into like a disciplinary or something because of something I did that was autism related I'd then be like okay so I didn't mention it at the time so I didn't want to and know this is why yeah which that's it which does make sense and i liked what you said uh a minute ago about the first relationship thing so i think next week next week 
Well, yeah, there's two topics we want to do. So yeah. uh, next week is going to be... We're going to do... So we, we did an episode on relationships a long time ago. Yeah. So it was like episode two. Um, and it kind of broadly covered all relationships. So yeah, it covered friends, family... family. <laughs> oh, jinx. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we um, we're gonna do relationships next week. But next week's so we did a friendship one. So yeah. like two three weeks ago, we do one on friendships and what it's like to have friends. Next week we're gonna do ones about like relationships, like boyfriend girlfriend relationships, mm. uh, that kind of thing, and how they work for those in the spectrum. Because a lot of people on the spectrum end up going out with or are you know married to or have been in relationships with neurotypical people because obviously the neurotypical world there's more people there yeah so you're more likely i don't know many as and as relationships i'm sure there's loads um but i haven't come into contact with anybody that's in one of them uh that much so i'm not sure i've heard like the the legends that uh <laughs> Autism and autism is the perfect combination, and if you are you have Aspergers, you should get in a relationship that, with somebody else that has Aspergers, um, because that is the proper like that's like a good connection. But then also I've read places that said it's it's hideous when two people with autism get together <laughs> because they like the way they both are like especially if they've got two varying types of autism. There's just points where. Um, they either constantly fight or they make each other's autism worse uh, yeah. and the meltdowns increase and that kind of thing. So, which to me just sounds like relationships in general. Do you know what I mean? Like there's people you get into relationships with where it's great and there's people you get into relationships with where it's awful and I don't feel like being on the spectrum has any sort of bearing on that. No. But either way, next week we're going to do an episode on relationships. I mean, to be honest, this episode was supposed to be that episode, but... Uh, me talking about those lights like it went on for like <laughs> half an hour so we kind of just I mean I wasn't going to say anything yeah. but it, when I looked at the clock and saw we were half hour in I thought we can't fit in relationships because I think relationships um, like romantic relation oh I hate using romantic because like I don't think I've ever <laughs> been romantic but that's well but that's the you, term you use for people to understand what you mean yeah like girlfriend girlfriend boyfriend boyfriend girlfriend boyfriend two people that are like yeah romantically involved i suppose yeah like i think that's quite a i think we'll have quite a lot to talk about um in turn like i think it we would need more than half an hour i think an hour would be more sufficient because i think things we would or i would like to cover and <laughs> i'm telling you now um would be sort of like because I think there is a difference. So I think, like, more of the things that we've noticed that we are like in relationships in terms of, like, our autism being quite present. I think I think if you're in a romantic relationship with me, you're definitely going to realise that I'm a bit different to yeah. probably most NT people uh, and react differently to different things. Uh, probably the same with you. Yeah, uh, I guess they... Well, um relationships like that they help you learn i think more about your own autism as well yeah because uh, as much as you can talk to your family and as much as you can talk to your friends somebody that's re involved with you in a relationship way they see things and learn things about you that the other two factions of social interaction -y people would never notice yeah so i would say that when i've been in relationships there are things that i've 
discovered about my own autism that, definitely that i've then thought oh yeah you're right i've never not that they pointed it out but i sometimes when you like think about stuff you think i do do that that's weird yeah i've never noticed that before uh I... especially if you go into a relationship knowing you're autistic yeah yeah that's true especially because you're you you've got a good like uh i think you've got quite good references because you've got a couple of serious like pre-knowing and you've got a serious post-knowing yeah um I also think uh, it's a good way, like I said, I wanted to uh, spread some positivity on autism. As I, uh, I said a couple of episodes ago, I felt like we'd done quite a few, like, not negative, but like we hadn't done like a really selling autism. I think relationships is a good way to talk about the pros of being with someone on the spectrum and the cons and it obviously that's quite a generic thing because one person's pro could be another person's con and vice versa but i definitely think there are some more like universally good things that could come from being with someone on the spectrum but also some things that from what i've heard nt people who are with people on the spectrum i know we can be a nightmare sometimes (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely been some things that NT people have said to me that are in relationships with people on the spectrum that it's almost been like across the board. <laughs> this is an annoying thing. So yeah, I, I I'm excited to cover it. Yeah, so that'll be next week's, and then I wanted to do an episode on. Um, I uh, it's gone. Oh. Huh? gone i had it when we were talking about like when we said what we're doing for next week i was like oh yeah and there's this episode so i do have a topic i just can't what it is Um, and we will disclose it next week yeah i'll mention it next week what it's gonna be but that's it for this week uh nothing nothing new going on uh terrible that we didn't do any sort of video or pictures or even posted the last episode uh last week so i didn't do anything on the outburst episode we didn't know like I suppose, promoting of it. We were gonna, um, but yeah, it's usually, I used to just do the post thing, but the video thing seems to be working better. So I'm I... I'm gonna throw it out there. It was my fault we didn't do the video. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was well, totally I didn't, my I fault. I didn't wanna, but yeah, it, t- it totally was. <laughs> it was uh, my fault. I was ready to do it like three days in a row uh, and you just were not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I'm, I'm totally ready for the video this week. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't noticed, Scarlett's... Uh, well, you, I don't know if you are comfortable or uncomfortable with the videos or not, but uh, you don't say a lot in them. So mm-hmm. I'm not that comfortable with them, but I will do them. you just got to stand there. No, I know. I do no. all the talking. I know, I know. But yes, uh, I can't wait for next week's episode. I'm actually really excited. Um, I'm sorry if this one was a little bit wishy-washy. Uh, those lights, eh? <laughs> I don't think it's wishy-washy. <laughs> Like, you might have thought it was wishy-washy, but, like, I do think, like, it's just reasonable adjustments. No, uh, yeah, it... It always makes me think when people say it that, realistically, what can you do? Because you, like I say, you are... You're in line for the sensory therapist that I see. You're waiting for her. Um, but then you've said that even if you do get to see her, what you're seeing her for. Yeah, There's like, loads of groups you could have gone into, but you chose not to go into because you thought they wouldn't really help. yeah. So I just feel like there's no reasonable... You don't think there's any reasonable adjustments to be made for you at all. No, I I think that's... A lot of that is to do with, like, I... (laughs) 
Not in, a, not in a horrible way to myself. I mean, who cares if I'm criticising myself? I'm not that reasonable a person. In like, I'm reasonable as, like, uh, you can talk to me and, like, I'm nice and stuff. But, like, m- the adjustments that I would benefit from are not in any way reasonable. That's what I mean. Like, I'm so... that Like, the things that bother me are so, like, tiny and ridiculous... Um, and the things that would benefit me are also equally as tiny and ridiculous that like no one can really make these adjustments like I I don't like it when people sneeze what <laughs> my reasonable adjustment no one can sneeze around me if you've got hay fever <laughs> stay 20 feet away like that's completely unreasonable so I yeah and it just made me think like with the um with the lighting like can I demand that a whole building <laughs> do its lights differently just for me or do I just deal with it it's the same with with everything it's like it's like how they do the autism hours and they have to do these certain things for people who autism go in the shop but they they can't do it every day all day because yeah. then it inconveniences everybody else that like thinks the lighting's too dim or do you know what I mean likes the sound of like music in a supermarket because it obviously they there must be a reason they play music in supermarkets i have no idea what it is but i'm assuming it's something to do with atmosphere or something like people that enjoy that whole aspect of it yeah you know like when you're in a supermarket and someone just starts talking to you for no reason oh god i would ban that because because they like because <laughs> they like going out and being social with strangers you know what i mean so as much as being on the spectrum is is hard especially because everything is designed not really for us how much can you reasonably expect the world to change for you? Yeah. And, and because we're so unique and we have so many different demands per burger, like, what can you do? Yeah, a reasonable... <laughs> this is... I know it's like the end of the episode, but just you saying that made me think of it. Like, at work, a lot of people talk about reality reality TV shows that I, I don't really like reality TV uh, in general that much. So, like, when people were talking about that, uh, the other day it was sort of said, like, oh, well, this person had to watch the women's football instead. Who would want to watch that? I loved, like, I loved the Women's World Cup. I watched it. Uh, The game they were talking about, I'd been watching it instead of reality TV. Uh, If I wanted to make a reasonable adjustment, I would ban this chat on reality TV and probably make people talk about the Women's World Cup that's not reasonable, and I know it's not. But like, if I really wanted an adjustment, yeah, exactly. So I'd probably want people to just not talk. So I just think it's interesting <laughs> that obviously the uh, this is what I'm saying. Like, so this episode for me was that neurotypical people want to make adjustments, so it's more comfortable for us. But apart from the obvious, like, there's so much stuff that we could do with help with, but I wouldn't. I can't think of a way to implement it. Yeah, it's so difficult. Like, I hate having time pressure. So I hate things being time uh, restrictive. I hate being told this needs to be done in this period of time. Uh, I don't like the feeling of being rushed. But that's not something you can say to an employer of, you can't ever give me a time frame because things do need to be done within a certain time. And it's not so much for me that I won't be able to get it done. I just don't like having in my head the, is it done? Do I have time? Can I do it? But yeah, that's not something that I could reasonably ask to not have there because of course, like I've got to let the business run. Exactly. <laughs> smoothly. So yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's tricky. Very tricky. Mm. Let us know your experiences though with any uh, adjustments and yeah, like, things. Yeah, obviously there's loads of people on a group that work, that go out, 
you know, I mean, they have to do stuff. They're social. There's a lot of people that are actually quite sociable. Yeah. How do how do you uh, deal with your social groups? How do they reasonably adjust to you if they do at all? Or how do you adjust yourself to be in that situation? Yeah, like me and you are quite solitary. We only really see mm. each other. Yes. And that's it. I love but, it. I but love there's, being I know there's, I've met people on the spectrum that like to be around loads of people yeah. and meet different people all the time. They find... I knew somebody that's on the spectrum that, and yeah, we will wrap this up, but just as a quick thing, I know somebody that's autistic that likes meeting strangers, but doesn't like meeting people he already knows. So he will go and talk to strangers constantly, and he likes talking to people that he's never met before, but then once he's learned the stuff he wants to know about them, he's done with them. Uh, And then he'll go to, so he'll talk to anyone, he'll talk to anybody he bumps into, like uh, waiting staff, people in queues. Do you mean people in the toilets, people at bus stops? That's so interesting. And he finds that more interesting than talking to someone, say, he's known for three years. The person who's known for three years will try and talk to him, and he just won't. There'll be times where it's considered rude because he'll be, like, say, in a coffee shop talking to his friend who he's known for a while... (laughs) And then we'll turn around and talk to the person on the table behind him because he doesn't know that person. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, that's very interesting. And it's because he's got a weird thing about collecting... I guess it is like an obsession, but he's got a weird thing about collecting people he meets, like names and basic information about them, a bit like Top Trumps or like a basic profile and somebody likes learning that stuff about people, but the deep, detailed stuff, he doesn't care about that. Yeah. But yeah... Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, the next week's episode is the relationship episode. Yeah. Guaranteed, Guaranteed talking about. Guaranteed, locked it in. Yeah, because <laughs> that didn't happen this time. Yeah. Um, so, like I say, thanks everyone for listening. We are available on all major podcast stuff. I keep using Spotify, but uh, we are also on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Anchor. I can't think of any more. Do you any others? No. No. Basically, anything that's got podcasts on it, we're on there. Apart from whichever one is that you know about that I don't know about. There's a paid... Oh, Luminary. There's a paid, there's a paid one that's like the Netflix of podcasts. We're not on that one. No. But everything else we are. And like, join our group. There's a private group on Facebook. Just look for them, Asperger's, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Instagram barely gets used. And the Twitter is kind of like a rehash of the Facebook. But they're there if you're not someone that's into Facebook or Instagram. We're on all three. Um, thank you so much for listening yep private group on the Facebook page if you want to join it just get in, get yourself in there and we'll accept the invites me and Scarlett have been quite absent from the Facebook group this week but we won't be for now on and there's loads of people been posting stuff and messages and we basically haven't oh, yeah. seen any of it oh no no I've been reading them like oh, this is how I've got oh, the, the animal, animal. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no uh, I've, I've been reading them I just haven't got round to um... yeah so we will get back on that because we've been a bit thing and like I say with the videos and stuff we will post them also and like I say, any suggestions or anything you want to ask or any questions you want to ask us directly, just send us a Facebook message or you can email themaspergers at gmail.com and we will reply. But that is it. I'm done with all the plugging of everything. Is there anything else you want to add? No, thank you so much. Bye.